Viva Los Angelitos and welcome to Halos in the Infield. Now, if you're anything like me, you've always wondered what it was like to play in front of no fans in 2020 or what it was like to pitch with artificial crowd noise or even worse, play in front of an empty stadium with nothing but cardboard cutouts and teddy bears. Well, Ty Buttry, longtime friend of the pod, stops by to talk about the chaos that was the 2020 season. All that and much more up next. The Angels 2014. The Angels were champions. Oh, and first pitch crushing. Hey, hey, hey! Welcome into another episode of Halos in the Infield, the podcast with your host Todd Fox and the other host of the show, Fernando. Fernando Mendez in the house, Lone Star Halo, along with our special guest today, the one, the only. Hi, Butchery. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he was waiting for me to announce it. Yes, the great Ty Butchery is in the house again to visit with us and talk uh, Angels baseball or baseball in general, the 2020 season. A lot to get to, but before we do, please give us a five-star uh, rating wherever uh, you listen to podcasts and also like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is growing by the day. We're going to have a lot of live content and a lot of uh, content for the regular season, postseason, everything moving forward for the 2023 season. So, Fernando, let's get started, shall we? Okay, uh, so you guys know him, you love him. Ty was nice enough to join the podcast yet again. By the way, he doesn't go by Buttery, the spelling. He goes by the peach and the tree emoji, <laughs> which, of right. course, make up for Buttery. There you right. go. Real quick, what was the thought process behind that? I don't think I've ever gotten to ask you. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is so stupid. Um, I'm not 100% sure. It was either Keith, the old clubhouse manager, or I'm almost – a thousand percent sure I'm, i i want to say it was fletcher uh fletch came up with the peach in the tree and then i think the clubhouse manager like wanted to do like another thing and like those two guys kind of like decided it and then fletch was like hey but you got to do the peach in the tree emoji and i was like <laughs> the creative fletch i like that idea and that's like you know doing something off the cuff not really you know against the grain put emojis on my shirt that's kind of what I did. So I don't know. It stuck, but uh, I like it. I just got to get back to the big leagues in order to do it again. Well, in all fairness, you haven't, uh, they stopped doing it in 2019 because obviously COVID, and then they haven't done it since. Yep. So there you oh, go. Wait. Since really? They, they have not done it since. They didn't do it last year. Wait, they didn't, they didn't have like the they players had the weekend. Wow. They didn't have a players weekend or oh was yeah, it they... the season started late? Maybe. Huh. I'm really but... surprised. I don't I'm really surprised they didn't bring that back. That was such a fun thing. It has to, it had it been because the season started late or something like that. Maybe, yeah, because the fans loved it too. Cause like I remember yeah. the merch was going was, you know, selling like crazy. There were some really cool ones like uh, Brad Boxberger. Yeah. He did kind of the emoji thing too. So, yeah, no, they definitely need to bring it back. And I liked how the players were able to have their own flair. Like, I remember the first time they did a Cole Cahoon had, like, an ASU, like, shooter sleeve. And, you know, yeah. you had a bunch of guys, like, decked out in their, like, high school cleats or whatever. It's just, you know, it was a fun way to get some creativity into baseball. I'm, I'm sure you guys felt the same way. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was cool. I, uh, I'm i not a very – I'm really not a creative person. I try to be. I think I try to be super creative. 
Mm-hmm. And like, for instance, like going back when you get like, you know, you, you get your Xbox and you have to come up with your name and stuff. I was always notorious for having like the dumbest <laughs> AM screen names. Like I would freeze and I would like freeze. I'm like, what is it? I, I just, I, I can't come up with something creative. So I ended up doing something super generic. That's why when Fletch was like, dude, do the emoji. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that's a great idea. So okay. I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah, if, if when you get back to the show and they do the players weekend, you got to have bricks on your cleats this time. Well, believe it or not, I actually, so before I retired, I flew in a famous graffiti artist named Adam Fu. And he, you, you probably know Fernando, but he literally did like these awesome paintings in my house, which that's just a whole nother story. But I have like. I had an awesome, crazy spider web with like this orange and white spider. And then I had this drip uh, graffiti thing. And the whole idea, which people don't know, we were trying to make like a content house, like a actually like a content creation home. It was a whole business idea that Sam and I went down. Anyway, it's a long story. That's kind of like where drip was formed originally. But I um, was going to have him do like we were going to do really badass. Uh, he was going to like, he's like a famous graffiti artist and he was going to draw and like paint my cleats. And dude, it was like, he was like, Oh, we're going to break the internet with these. And yeah, I, I think I actually have a pair, but it was kind of sucks. But well, anyways, that's just a little side story. Well, I'm all, maybe you still have the cleats. Uh, there are shoes. So like he, oh, I, okay, okay. yeah, they're not cleats. That's I had to break it to him. I was like, "Yeah, I actually retired." So he's like, "Can't do it anymore." I'm like, "No, it's definitely <laughs> not something that I can do right now." Well, can something to look forward the... to now. Yeah, you yeah. Like, can jazz up my loafers. <laughs> <laughs> my Doc Martens. There you go. <laughs> okay, so um, we brought Ty on to talk about the 2020 season. Um, and just like what went behind it, not exactly the politics of 2020 and the shutdown and all that, but to talk about it from a baseball perspective, you know, talk to him about what it was like when the shutdown happened in spring training, you know, what was the feel, what was it like for, for Sam and himself, et cetera, et cetera. So all this um, really dates back to March 9th when things really started to get serious and, and the talk and the chatter started. So um, that was the day that all 30 teams had a press conference uh, and they mutually decided that the season was going to press on. They weren't going to, you know, delay anything. Opening day would still be on the 26th. Everything was going to be fine, right? Well, so we thought. March 12th is obviously when the world shut down. A lot of people remember that day. The NBA shut down. Disneyland, Las Vegas, you name it, it shut down. And that was the day that they canceled spring training. Do you remember that day, Will? Oh, I remember it really well. Um <sighs> Wow, I don't even, man, I, I've been saying this a lot lately. So the question, like, a lot, obviously, I've done a lot of reflection. And you guys know I'm definitely, a, I think, probably a little bit too much. I'm always, you know, reflecting, trying to gain a new perspective, trying to understand, trying to figure things out. And that just that whole, that whole time, man, like, going back to 2020, you know, Sam and I were in California. Like, I just got off my rookie year. I mean, shit, I was set to be, you know, a late inning setup man potential. Like, you know, I was, I had high hopes for myself. I, um, the club had high hopes for me, obviously getting, um, 
you know, coming in with the year I put up, I was excited and I trained my ass off. I mean, I worked so hard. I did all these things. I was training out at Angel Stadium. Sam and I were enjoying our time in Orange County. Um, and then, you know, I show up to spring training, pumped up. I love spring training, especially in Arizona. Um, we had this awesome, awesome house. Like, it just was such an amazing, like, lead up. Like, it just was everything was going right. It seemed like everything was going right. Um, and then Sam and I, you know, I'm sitting there and like you said, I think it was March 9th and, or maybe I heard it like early or late April, you know, when it was starting to like, Oh, China, like China's getting affected by it. And next thing you know, it was like Australia was getting affected by it and then Canada. And then everyone was like, Oh shit. Like, yeah. what's going on you know people were starting to shut down flights and everyone's starting to get crazy about the virus and um charles barkley came into our clubhouse and oh, yeah. that air because he was shaking hands with everyone and i guess he was exposed potentially exposed to someone that had it and he had a quarantine and that was the march 9th date that you're talking about um and it, it stopped me whenever it fernando but like i'm just hitting on what you said right there like That's it good. was it was just this like awesome moment for Sam and I, you know, just got done rookie year training, feel great, throwing 98 in spring training. Um, and then everything just gets shut down and um, we get the news from the team. Uh, we had a zoom meeting or I'm, I'm not even sure it was a zoom meeting or in-person meeting, but like we stopped uh, after that Charles Barkley day. Like, I don't think anyone came in the next day. I think maybe a few guys that were doing rehab, but like, it was clear that things were going to get shut down and it did not look like there was any forecast that we would start baseball within the next week or two. Because at this point I was sitting there back in my cool mountain house with Sam and I'm like, Sam, we got to prepare. I'm like, we got to prepare. And I'm not a doomsday prepper type of person, but I'm a very, like when there's an event, I'm realizing when there's an event or something new comes out, I jump on it right away. And I like, Oh my gosh. I like, do whatever I got to do in there. And then, I'm, and then I just kind of move on. And that's what I did with COVID. I just kind of like, I was like, Sam, we got to go, we got to go to the store. We got to get toilet paper. We got to get, get spam. We got <laughs> typical. Like I was just your typical freak out person that was buying way too much toilet paper. And I just, they just <laughs> fed it to me and I just gobbled it up. Yeah. Um, and that was when like things were really starting to get weird and I'll stop there. But yeah, it was just, it was so crazy. But this was something that was like all spring training. Was it kind of dis uh, discussed amongst the guys? Like it was always a topic. It was it kind of always in everyone's mind. Like, hey, this might happen. Like we uh, might get shut down. No, that that was the thing. It wasn't really it, the shutdown. Like the shutdown feelings came hot. Like in the in the last two to three days of camp. Like that's what I was saying. Like we were all sitting there watching the news as everyone does. And I mean, dude, there's, you know, there's a war going on right now. And a lot of us just go about our day-to-day -day business. Like, you know, there's a lot of things going on globally right now. And it's crazy how, like, when you're in your little bubble in your world, you really will stay in that bubble unless that bubble gets popped or affected in some way. And Absolutely. That bubble got popped for us and it got affected. And everyone once, I think once um, Trump put the ban on uh the travel ban yeah the travel ban i think that's when people really were like 
that's for me at least when I was like, wait, what's going on? Like, yeah. we're like that's when it got serious. But like Charles coming in was kind of like the, you know, the cherry on top that made everyone just be like, whoa, okay, I have to quarantine now. But it wasn't really like, at least for me, like, I don't remember it being a lead up. I remember like, oh, this is getting serious in two, three days. We're not in camp anymore. We went from like playing games and working out to two, three days later being like, don't show up to the field. Okay, so the carpet really was just ripped under you. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, let me yeah. ask you. Let me ask you this, Ty. Um, when the announcement was made, either to go home and quarantine or shut down for a couple of weeks, like they expected the nation to do at that time, or mm-hmm. the Charles Barkley incident, did people like right away be like, "Hey, you know what? We can't shake hands all of a sudden." So, like maybe leading up into that meeting you guys were fist pumping and shaking hands, giving bro hugs. And then all that stopped because real quick, before you answer that, my dad was going to church and literally everyone came in hugging everybody like they normally do. And then when they made the announcement halfway through that, Hey, we're not going to have in-house me, uh, you know, church visits or meetings until we're given the okay to nobody shook hands with everybody. And it's like, everyone automatically thought everyone had the plague. Yeah. <laughs> No, Todd, that's a great question. And that's kind of where I was trying to say, like, my memory, it's definitely that it was foggy. I, I remember I was on the elliptical thing. It was like this weird, cool elliptical. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what it was, but everyone, you, oh, it's called the ARC trainer. I was on the ARC trainer and Charles was coming in behind me, or I was, I think I was on the treadmill. It doesn't matter. But that moment, people were shaking his hand. Like, guys were shaking his hand because teammates were like, oh my God, I shook Charles Barkley's hand. And yeah. I think, I don't think I shook his hand. I think I was about to. I think I said, turned around, like, all sweaty. I was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> turned around, like, I didn't need to say that. But um, that's when, like, after that after that incident, that's when it, like, escalated to the point where everyone's like, oh, crap, I shook his hand. Crap, we're, we shouldn't be together right now. And, and that's when I, that's what I'm saying. Like, it went from, like, let's watch this. Let's see what's going on to okay, I think somebody was infected to no one showing up and now we're having a Zoom call. And that was kind of the extent. Like there wasn't really, I don't remember coming into the field the next day um, after we got the text saying, hey, like potential uh, quarantine, stuff like that. It was, there was no, um, to answer your question though, like when we came back, Mm -hmm. um, that was, probably like how most people like no one really was shaking hands okay. everyone was giving fist bumps um you know even when we had masks we had masks on like it was just the protocol and as the season went on people were like okay i'm over it you know let's just shake your hand i mean i'm i'm spitting on the ball i'm not spitting on the ball but i'm touching this ball throwing it to my catcher there's so many germs and stuff flying mm-hmm. all yeah. over players were like you know let's just let's just go on with our business at least that's how i was was there a lot of players still you know because i know you guys share snacks and stuff like that like the little things were you you guys keeping the mask on you know all throughout the dugout or in the uh in the locker room uh was there like a no hey no showering right now or yeah yeah was there like a protocol of the locker room that you know had to be followed by major league baseball yeah was there was there different kind of like standards to where now they're going to space out the lockers you know, yeah. you don't have to out teammates, but you know, like, was, yeah. was there like specific protocols? Like, okay, you know, every other locker, like did major league baseball institute that kind of stuff? I, okay. So I don't, I don't, I, I think we had like our lockers were still the same because you guys okay. got into like 
it was, you know, when we came back, we had to do testing regularly, daily. Oh, I mean, yeah. I was that tube, I think <sighs> two times, three times, uh, like a day almost sometimes and those were and, the old school tests where like it went down to like your brain remember oh, it was the really long ones you're like gagging yeah. it goes up so far in your nose that's what i was going to ask because i, I gotta <laughs> understand i gotta think they were very anal about making sure you guys had zero symptoms yeah they, and we got so we had a person checking us in every single day that would take our temperature and we would spit into the vial and then um if we wanted to do like a rapid test or we thought we had symptoms and this is still done to this day. Um, even in like AAA, you know, they would stick the long needle thing back there and that would, that's the rapid test and it would test in 20 minutes. And that's, you know, if you're not, but going back to the season, um, it was pretty clear that like the league was open and okay with the players mingling and doing their thing. I mean, we, we had our masks on, um, we, you know, we, we kept it on inside. It was kind of more of a, um, if whatever you feel comfortable with, obviously staff had to have their mask on, um, which I wasn't for. I, I, I don't think, I don't think any of the staff, it's a team. So I think it should have been one rule. I think the team staff is like the same as players were in the same thing. It just didn't make any sense that staff had to do it, but whatever. That's not my, that's not my role to really my, you know, battle the fight. Um, but no, like, like I said, Todd, like at first it was like, at first everyone was super, you know, we would do the mask over the nose. And then like, as time got on, it was like the mask below the nose. And it's like, <laughs> Hey, mask above the nose. It's like, crap. Okay, here you go. It's like, Oh, it's below my nose again. It's like, Oh, get it back up. <laughs> it's like, that's kind of the extent of making sure um, like, it was just weird because people would be guys weren't weird about it. I mean, everyone, you know, like everyone was kind of talking like, Hey, is your wife, is your wife, is she good? Like, is she out visiting other people that she's going to come back and get you sick? And like everyone's wives did a great job of that. But um, no, there wasn't like a weird, it didn't, I guess to summarize all this, cause I'm just rambling right now. Very good. <laughs> it like messed the flow and um like the chemistry that we had it, it didn't mess that up which was that's was my biggest thing was like I didn't want the team and I didn't want people to like act differently because we have a virus going on it's like we're here to play baseball that's what we're going to do and that's what we did and that's what we focused on so I'm sure we'll get a little bit into, into you know the how weird it was in, in a bit so a couple of the other big days that I highlighted here there was like a, I read this giant list of like key dates and I narrowed it down to like 20 percent of those so it didn't take long for the first case it was March 15th so about two days after everything shut down where there was mm -hmm. the first confirmed case and it was from a minor leaguer in the Yankees I, I think we all remember that day because that was mm -hmm. big news yeah. it was oh you know somebody got yeah. it and then, you know, slowly but surely, it started to kind of transition its way through, and some other clubs started to get it. In um, on June 29th, Mike Leake was the first player to say he wasn't going to play in terms of major leaguer. He was the first known player to okay. decline the season. Then you started to get big names like Buster Posey and some of the other guys, David Price. Yep. Uh, June 30th is when Major League Baseball uh, confirmed that the minors would not be taking place. That was also a pretty significant moment. Uh, and then July 6th was the big day that 
the MLB and the Players Association mutually agreed on a 60-game season. Okay, so what was your mentality like uh, f- for you and Sam on you know July 6th to hear like, okay, hey, there will be a season? And were you guys told immediately that day, like, okay, hey, you know, report to spring training? Um, what they, whatever they called it, summer camp. No, it was uh, they gave us they gave us like a, a month window. Like we had a good month window. Okay. I don't have exact dates of when they texted us because the reason I know that is I was in Florida, so I left from spring train or I left from Arizona um, to go down to my gym in Tampa to continue to train and work out. Um, that was that's another story, but um, that's where I got the RV. <laughs> that's where a lot of <laughs> leaving the game and a lot of the stuff just kind of <laughs> kind of stemmed from this RV and going out and just, you know, traveling the world. But I guess you could say, um, yeah, they gave us, they gave us like a month's heads up. I was down in Florida, Sam and I got the RV and I had two weeks, I think, or three weeks to get across the country to Newport dunes where I was staying for the many like two weeks spring training that we had to do. Um, and that was weird because I just went, you know, I was like training, but I was like super ramped up and then I got ramped down and then I had to ramp back up again. And it just was just weird. It just was weird. It was an, it was a different, it just was, it wasn't baseball, man. It, it wasn't baseball at all. I mean, I, I'm glad that we could play, but that was just, that was something different. What did you know of a lot of players who, you know, obviously you keep in contact with your teammates but were there were there chatter amongst your your friends and teammates that they're probably most likely because of the pandemic there wasn't going to be a season there wasn't really an onus or really uh pressure on them to work out as much so maybe they were doing a thing like you with the rv or just going about their business trying to stay sane in those times was was there like was that was there that mentality like were people more surprised that the season got going yeah i mean for about two months there maybe even three months um, you said the first case was the July 9th, you said, was when they announced the season? Or when did they announce the season? So July 6th is when they officially came up to an agreement with the MLBPA. And, right. But the first confirmed case was on March 15th with the Yankee minor leaguer. So, so over those three, uh, March, April, May, yeah, so like three, four months, like three months, like it was three months where guys – we were just waiting like guys were training so you got to think like three months into the season we're sitting there and it's like okay there's no shot we're playing I mean I was trying not to let my head go there because I didn't want to check out and I did go there for a little bit um just because I'm like geez man it's two two and a half months and we haven't doesn't sound like we're even close to agreeing um yeah are they really going to do a 60 game season the whole country's freaking out People are going crazy. People are rioting. I'm like, there's no way. Yeah. It's and like, I was training because I just wanted to stay in shape. And, but mentally, like it, it was so hard to keep that, that edge going. Um, and a lot of players were, I mean, a lot of my friends, we were all, you know, we say the same things. Like we're all texting in groups and, you know, Hey, look at this. No way a season's happening. Or, oh my gosh. No, I think it's going to happen. My agent said this, his agent knows this guy, this guy knows, you know, this high up player or person yeah. and this player said this. And it's like, it's a bunch of just stories and rumors. Um, 
and then when the season, when they announced the season was good to go, everyone, at least for me, was like, okay, well, I'm training, I'm in great shape, but now I got to get myself back in competition mode. Like, this is my job. People are going to judge here. I got to go out and perform. And I didn't have a good year. Um, but that's not me making excuses. That's just the reality of what happened. It was just super, it was crazy, crazy. It, it reminded me real quick. Uh, I know Fernando's got another question, my bad, but um, oh, you're good, man. I remember, I think it was the 94 season, the NBA, when it looked like there was zero chance the season was going to start up. And uh, it was one of the years where the Spurs won the championship. Long story short, you know, the NBA players came in, a lot of them overweight. They hadn't trained much because they'd been told like 80% chance it's not going to happen. And mm-hmm. so like they had, like you said, you came out there and maybe mentally, you know, physically you had it. But mentally, you weren't ready. You weren't going through the normal progressions and the normal motions, the normal routines to where you could have your very best stuff entering a season because it wasn't the normal time even. So like the NBA players back then, just some of them had the worst years of their career and some never recovered. So was there, you know, obviously you saw a lot of players playing. What was the feeling like when you actually knew that the season was going to go along like were you dreading it or were you just like god damn it, I, I, I gotta get moving oh oh man um dreading i would say dreading is like i dread school you know i dread yeah. i dread up and going sitting in eight hours of <laughs> school and being lectured at and whatever like that i dread like yeah. i dread having to go and do like 10 miles of hard training and running but like i didn't dread this um I just was very indifferent about it like and that's I know that's kind of a cop-out like a lame answer but I was like I just didn't know what to think I didn't know I definitely wasn't like perked up and I wasn't as giddy and jacked up as I was four months back for the season I mean I I was like a caged lion about to just like I was gonna have the best year of my career and then boom like everything happened so I was trying to I was trying to get back to that mindset. Like I was trying to find that, that, you know, that feeling that I had four months ago. And it just was weird. Like it was just weird. Uh, you know, the- how, how close were you to that mindset? I, I should have said that instead of dreading thing. How, how, how close was your mindset, you know, your goal of where you want to be when that actually got, you know, they're, they're like, Hey, let's go, let's roll. I mean, where, well, how close were you to that? It was, it was great except for, it, it, it did get there except for I changed my delivery back in 20. When I went back to Florida, I attempted to get even better. Meaning like I attempted to change my delivery and figure something out that was going to make me throw even harder and have a nastier curveball. Um, and I just completely lost who I was as a pitcher and what I did well. And that was kind of like, that was something that was really uh, anchor for me during that season was I just wasn't comfortable. You could tell, my velo was down. Um, I was getting hit, giving up runs that I never gave up, getting hard hit contact like I didn't give up. And so it was just, it wasn't, you know, I was fighting that. The first day I go out and I was throwing 99 miles an hour and I think I spiked like seven balls or eight balls into the dirt and walked the first, it was like my first closing job. And then I something in my forearm happened and then something in my calf. And I'm like, great, this is, this is not how I wanted to start this season. Um, And that's kind of like, that's kind of what it was. It was just like, all right, what's wrong with my delivery? Crap. I got this little forearm thing. Um, 
crap, I'm not pitching too well. What's going on? And it just was weird, man. It just was super weird. I mean, I definitely wasn't in my flow state as I was before and as I am kind of right now. Um, so yeah, like it was, uh, I tried to do, I tried to do the best job I could to get myself ready. And that's, I mean, I, I did everything I could. I worked my butt off. Okay. So, um, real quick, before I ask you about, you know, what opening day was like and how that felt compared to some of the other opening days, um, what was it like to hear Hansel Robles playing the trumpet? <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> yes, I do remember that. <laughs> um, Robles, that man, that man's a good, he's a good human being. He is a different cat, um, kind of like me a little bit. He just, I saw him when we played uh, the Dodgers, he was in the AAA. He was in um, AAA for the, or what's it, Thunder? Yeah. For Oklahoma? Uh, yeah, Oklahoma. Aren't they the Dodgers? I thought they were just I, the OKC Dodgers. That's the Thunder. No, they're the, they're the OKC Dodgers? Yeah. Okay. The Thunder's I, the basketball team. Yeah, the Thunder's the, the NBA team. <laughs> wow, he's right. talented. Yeah, uh, he, he can sorry. do everything. Uh, I saw him in the bullpen, and just the same dude, like, came up to me and was talking to me about he told me, he's like, hey, man, like, you got to throw that pitch. You got to throw that pitch here. You throw it here, here, here every time, and they're going to hit it. And they hit it. But he was always giving me advice. He was always saying, like, reach out, you know, reach out if you ever want to talk, if you ever have questions. And, you know, him and I were, you know, I was eight, eighth inning. He was the ninth inning. We had a good little thing going on. He was just an awesome person. But that was a fun, that was a fun story. Side note of Hansel Robles, I just really respect that man a lot. Yeah, I liked his playing style. He looked like he was always having fun. His uh, his entrance was pretty underrated. <laughs> <laughs> the whole love- Undertaker theme, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. So uh, July twenty fourth, you had opening day. I remember uh, that's so that's my dad's birthday. I remember calling him that day and being like, "Did you ever think you would see a baseball opening day on your birthday?" And he's like, "No, maybe an All Star game, but never opening day." Oh wow! So uh, you guys lost three to seven in Oakland. So what was what was the strangest part of that day? Was it the, I mean, Oakland's notorious for not having a very full stadium anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was there in 2017, the second game of the season, they had 2000 people there. So you know, notoriously, you know, it's pretty empty there on a random Thursday, but to have zero fans there, cardboard cutouts and large teddy bears. What was that like? Um, well, I will say the the night games were definitely better in terms of atmosphere and just a vibrant, like, you know, energy in the air than the day games. The day games were brutal. Those were tough. Mm. I hated the day games. I already don't like day games, but day games during COVID was miserable. Um, I know that's a pretty dramatic take, but that's an honest take. Um, would you say eerie? No, I want to say eerie. I, I would okay. say maybe some night, maybe some night games. Um, maybe the night was a little eerie, you know, getting done not having any fans outside the, the um, stadium, not having really any people in the hotel. And, you know, that was a little eerie, but it wasn't eerie. It wasn't like a, Ooh, you know, this is, this is creepy. Like that wasn't, it wasn't like that. It just was different. Um, But that first game was, you know, I, I wouldn't say this feeling like I've clearly had a strong stance about this since this, since we started talking, but I wouldn't say like this, 
feeling of, you know, I didn't like it and it was weird and it wasn't baseball and all these things I said, it wasn't the first game. It wasn't like the first couple of weeks. It was later, later into the season a little bit um, when I really started wearing on just not mentally, just this is, this is really odd, you know, like they're not going to let, they're not going to let any fans in. Cause I think there was talks that there was a potential like towards the end, they were going to do a half capacity thing or maybe they, yeah. <clears throat> Like the Rangers were doing a half capacity. I believe the Astros as well. I know for sure the Rangers were. Yep, they were doing. You're right. You're right. We played there. And that was, I remember we played there and they had fans. That was towards the end. Um, But yeah, for the first, the first half, the first month or two, it was just cardboard cutouts. They did a good job with the um, announcer and playing like sounds and, you know, all the, all the noises, but for me like we were all just in we were kind of in survival mode like they canceled the minor league season we all just had this season we were all happy because we were getting a year's worth of service time um even though you know guys got their salary cut a little bit which wasn't fun but we make a lot of money so it's not like it was guys were really hurting at the end of the day um I know that was that was something that was not enjoyable guys were especially dudes that just signed their first you know their first big, big year contract and then it just i mean right look at rendon right he signed his first big uh, contract i mean he was making some decent money with the nationals yeah. uh, with arbitration but you know he had just gotten his big payday so yeah that was that was interesting so yeah i don't know first game was it was fine like i, I had a ton of adrenaline i was like i said i came out and i was sitting 98 99 and then i had i spiked like seven eight balls into the dirt and I'm just sitting there, like thinking, "What the heck is going on? Like, what? Is, I, why did I just do that?" But yeah, yeah. At least you weren't watching it from our perspective. Nothing was weirder than when they tried like the virtual fans. So you'd see like a home run, and it'd be like MLB the Show fans like <laughs> sitting in the outfield. And that oh. looked horrible. <laughs> like I remember, just like just just show the stands empty. We know there's nobody there. You yeah. know, it's not like because there's no fans there. It's because there's no fans that are allowed to be there you right. know right so yeah i don't know like i would imagine out of your end the fake crowd noise would have been different would have just been weird but i'm not was, getting that impression from you it, it, it was honestly more like i guess it was more like laughing like the the tone for a lot of this was humor like a lot of us we tried to have a sense of humor through this because that was really the only way to ra- rationalize what was going on was to just laugh at it. You know, Oh, we got to spin the tube every day and Oh, we got cardboard cutouts and Oh, we got fake sounds. Like, you know, you just laugh at it because that's really the only thing you can do. I mean, there's yeah. nothing, there's nothing we could do unless we wanted to sit out, which some guys did, but um, yeah. It was weird because <clears throat> I remember seeing certain games, certain teams, <clears throat> you'd have their training staff sitting in the, where the audience was, where the cardboard cutouts Oh, or yeah. the, the bullpen guys were like way away from each other. You could tell which players it affected. Like, you know, they're wearing uh, either a mask or a scarf during their at bat. Um, you know, coaches had gloves on. Or you could have been like the real weirdo out there, which was Zach Greinke. I mean, he was talking to the cardboard cutouts. He was having <laughs> a great time. Uh, I remember those highlights. I mean, yeah. did you did you happen to see Zach doing any of those shenanigans? Because he, yeah. he was up to his uh, up to all kinds of crazy stuff that season. I'll be honest, Todd. When I'm in the bullpen, I'm just sitting there. Like I usually get down there at the bottom of the first or the top of the second. 
and I'm just kind of in my own little world down there. Like I'm talking to the other bullpen guys, talking to the bullpen coach. And then after the fifth inning, I'm just, I'm just stretching, you know, warming up, doing my thing. I didn't really, you know, I didn't really see much, but I'm sure the stories I've heard, um, he's such a good pitcher, man. I, <laughs> I, I, I respect Zach a lot. I respect, I respect him. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, he's, he's a different cat altogether. And that's, mm -hmm. pro that's probably good though. That probably got you through most of that season because, you know, having to focus on when you're going to come in and stretching in different situations, you kind of blurred everything out and maybe it got you through those, you know, tough day games, like you said, or night games where, you know, there's not the fans there and it could become a little eerie, a little weird. Yeah. It, it made the days, it made the games a lot longer too. Um, that was the biggest thing was those three or those 60 games, those 60 games felt like a normal 162 game season. It was really, really odd. Um, just because also you knew a lot was on the line. I mean, these games, you lose one, it's like losing three or losing really? two or like it's, it was a big deal. Every time you lost in one, um, it sucks that we couldn't, you know, just, we, that would have been so fun that, you guys, you guys did make a really good run there. Yeah, yeah. It, it came to the last three games. It was uh, it was against the Dodgers, right? Like I think you yeah. had to win all three, and the Do and you guys, I think, would have gotten in like with one loss from I forgot exactly who it was, but I remember it was you know you had to sweep the Dodgers. Yep, and that was going to be tough at that time. Yeah, they were they were a hot team, and you know that was the year they won it all. So you know, say what you want about that, but you know they got to the playoffs and they did what they needed to do. But um, so to talk about that, so I, I I heard stories that going into that playoff push at the end for you guys, you guys had to like quarantine and like get into a bubble just in case because weren't the playoffs bubbled by Major League Baseball? The playoffs were yes, and I'm not going to speak on that. And like I said, I'm I'm sorry that I don't remember remember a lot. I remember there being towards the end of the season. It's really weird. Like I've actually been on thinking about this for for a while. My like short term memory is not great. It's never been great. But when somebody reminds me or they fill me in, it's like it comes back. I'm like, oh, I remember everything about that, but I don't know why. So I'm trying to do my best to remember only three years back but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do this interview again in like 10 years yeah. <laughs> and then and then ty will be like oh yeah that's right <laughs> i ate a hot dog the second to last game of the season <laughs> i mean it was a pretty monumental time of my life i mean i don't know anyways but um it's like there was uh towards the end like there was questions about like players wives because um we had to make sure if we were going to be in the play, in the playoff hunt, like you said, there was, we were only a couple games away. Um, everyone, I remember everyone like talking about like making sure the wives were, you know, quarantined or in a good area because, you know, as, as I said, like I'm, a, I was a person who reacted really heavy, heavily to COVID freaked out, bought the toilet paper, did all the things. And then I was sat there for like three months and I'm like, okay, I, I'm like, I think I freaked out a little bit too much. Um, <laughs> we all I'm do. Go, I'll go leave my house now. Um, yeah. I'm going to go say hello to another human being. But anyways, yeah. um, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of an issue because certain players, you know, were 
super strict and super, you know, for, for all the right reasons, you know, they were taking all the precautions. Maybe I wasn't, you know, certain guys, maybe not as much, especially as the season went on, we did our best to abide by MLB's guidelines. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, just, we're sweating, we're working, you know, we're having the masks down in the bullpen. That's so stupid. Like that's so dumb. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen is having to put a mask on down the bullpen. But anyways, so there was um, like, there was a communication within the team to make sure players wives were in a good spot in case we had to go to the playoff bubble because they, they had to be like quarantined 14 days in advance or they weren't allowed in the bubble. Um, and there was, you know, guys checking me, my wife, Hey, you know, Sam, where'd you, where were you? You, you been at the house all day? Yeah. I've only seen this person, this person. Okay. That person's clear. That person's cleared. You're good. And um, that, you know, we didn't end up making it, but that there was, some preparations I know to make sure everyone's family was uh, COVID free as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause I remember Andrelton Simmons. So that whole story that came out almost a year later, uh, cause you know, he, uh, he left uh, the games a little early and, you know, at the time, every the fans were really confused, you know, Simba, we're making this playoff push. What are you doing? He was one of the hottest players mm-hmm. on the team in 2020. You know, nobody thought mental health had anything to do with it. You know what I mean? So naturally, the fans reacted negatively. It was, you know, this guy is quitting uh, on the team. That's, you know, you know Twitter. Twitter can be a really toxic place, and that's mm-hmm. what it was towards Andrelton. And, you know, uh, next spring training with the Twins, they, you know, they asked him, and he was really honest. He was really open, and he had said that it took a, a toll on his mental health uh, because of that, you know, bubble near the end of the season where they had to quarantine and, you know, you almost lost that freedom because you needed to, to get into that playoff bubble. So, you know, that, that's why I figured I'd ask you that question. Yeah, um, so are, wait, are you asking me? No, 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 no. Oh, I, that, that, that was my mentality yeah. for asking you, you know, yeah, that yeah. question, because I mean, yeah, I could only imagine how, a, like, the world is still navigating what this COVID thing is, right? I mean, it, it really became a big thing in the U.S., like, late February, early March. April's when it boomed, right? So, you know, we're only four or five months past that point. You know, people are still out of work, you know. And that's the thing, Fernando. Like, I, jeez, I, I, it's like you can't even mention the word COVID these days without like having to take a, a left side or a right side on it. Yeah. And I just like, you know, it definitely affected everyone differently. Um, of course. I mean, I'm the least to say that it affected me and it's like, maybe it did affect me. I don't know. Maybe um, being locked inside your home all day um, isn't good for people's mental health. Like having another person um, tell you what you can and can't do when everybody in the world is speculating, it was one giant speculation. It's like, I get it. I, I want to respect health officials. There's nothing to do politically or this and that, but it's like, at some point, a human being has got to be a human being and you can't force control over people. Like you just can't, like, I, I get it. Like it's in the, we're trying to keep everyone healthy and safe, but there's something to be said when a, when a person who has free will and to do whatever they want at any day for the rest of their their whole existence now all of a sudden it's being told you can't leave this you can't do this you can't do that and you can't do that and it's like 
okay like that's just and it just was a lot man it was a lot it was annoying it was aggravating at times but you know you gotta you gotta respect what was going on and people were people were dying man like it was a terrible thing that happened it's still going on it's just like i just hopefully we can look back on this and just be like done that was in the past let's just erase that side out from the history books but yeah because there's really no correct answer on everything i mean like you got china right now still you know their their citizens were mad that the they were watching the world cup and no one's wearing masks and they're locked inside quarantine um right still so i mean yeah i mean i think it affected everybody from yourself to fernando to myself somehow some way it took some sort of mental toll it aggravated it made us frustrated um it scared us um mm -hmm. I think we all, as a, as a population all went through something and I could see, you know, major league baseball at that period of time that Fernando was talking about the bubble situation and it affecting guys like Andrelton and others, because in a selfish way, they're like, okay, we've already come this far. We did this much to get a 60 game season. We got to make sure everyone's in line and, and we, we can't have any outbreaks come playoff time. Yeah. Well, because the outbreak penalty was so was so strenuous. I mean, yep. yeah, person had it, man. It's like that was the kiss of death. I remember uh, one of the teams got it, and it was like, well, there goes their season because it was the Marlins. Yeah, the Marlins the opening week, right? Something. Like yeah, that. they had yeah. like seventeen cases or something. Like almost yeah. the entire team. They, that's why everyone was so surprised they made the playoffs. They basically had to go into their uh, what do they call it back then? Taxi squad. Yes, taxi uh, squad. But yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, like it was like that was the case. Like, I don't think I'm speaking for myself. I wasn't afraid of dying. Maybe the first like three weeks. Cause I thought it was like the bubonic plague coming and like the whole <laughs> world get wiped out. That's how yeah. I thought it was. But like, you know, there's a lot of healthy athletes. I'm not going to make assumptions past this point because I'll probably get trolled on Twitter or something, which I don't, <laughs> but anyway, going to get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> hey, cancel me. I, I need to be canceled. Honestly, that that's the, that's my quickest way out. I want my We'll just blame 3.0. How about that? <laughs> he did the interview this whole time. You guys fell for it, suckers. I already, <laughs> I already get canceled enough talking about NFTs, and now I'm talking about AI and integrating with my brain and a whole bunch of other stuff. So no, anyways, um, yeah, it was it was just it was just crazy. And the fact that people like I think that was it. Like people didn't want the stipulations and the rules, I mean, it was, like you said, it was the kiss of death. The season's over when you're losing your top guys. So, you know, we're all competitors. We all want to make it to the bubble and we all wanted to play and we did our, we did our best job. I mean, we really did. So I, I guess, so you were with the angels for the very end of 18, right? After the trade uh, in September, you'd come mm -hmm. up, you finished the year there, 19, you had your rookie season and then, you know, uh, 20, you had that, that short uh, stint because the year was, was cut short. Let me ask you, out of those uh, three years, obviously 18, you're only there for a little period. What year did you think that you guys had the best chance to make a playoff push? I, I know that's, you know, non-COVID related. I guess that's just my, my last question before we get to some crypto before you leave. Um, well, 18 was geez, I was, I was just, I was in like euphoria mode, right? Like I just got called up. I got traded. I was pitching really well. I was coming in as a closer and I was getting holds and it was awesome. I just was, you know, I had friends and family. I was making money. Like I wasn't even, I mean, I was 
caring about the team, but I was like, geez, I'm, you know, it doesn't look like we're going to make it to the playoffs. I think there was a shot to maybe get to even 500. Um, and so the 18 year was just taking it every, everything and meeting all the new staff and players 19. Um, I was, I mean, I, I guess that would be, I would say technically 20, like 20, we definitely, you know, we had some dudes, like we had some, we, you know, that we got the kinks out from 19 and we had, a, we had a whole new, uh, that was the best part was we had a whole coaching staff, which I'm still upset about this. You know, we built a system with Doug White, like even though our pitching numbers weren't great, but Doug came in and implemented a whole new system that wasn't there, introduced mm-hmm. analytics, introduced reviewing, like actually doing drills and helping guys and not just changing grips and saying, okay, go out and pitch. Like it was, he actually cared and all the coaches did that all the coaches came in and then we cleaned house. Brad wasn't an awesome guy. I mean, he was a great manager and then we just cleaned house and it's like all that chemistry that we built and all that preparation and all these talks over the off season, it just ended like that. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, like why, why was this the case? I mean, it was frustrating. 19, I think to answer your question, like I would say, every year I was 19 and 20, I was saying it's our shot. But like I said, I was just trying to do my job as a pitcher and being a young rookie. Like I wasn't, it's like, take care of my job. Let the managers take care of theirs. Let, let Trout and Otani and those guys be them. And I'm going to go out and I'm just going to throw gas and I'm going to strike guys, guys out. And that literally guys, like that is my mindset to this day. Like <laughs> I don't check media. I don't really check what we're doing. I don't really check a lot of things. I'm just like, what is my job? What do I have to do to be the best at it? And how do, how do I do it? And that's kind of what I tried to focus on. So like, I don't know, like, I can't even remember who was, who, who, who was supposed to be our best year, 19 or 20. You guys probably know more than me. I mean, I would imagine 20 would have probably been the answer, right? Cause you know, Rendon was coming off of a, of a world series win, you know, mm-hmm. so we were hoping to get that. Um, Madden yeah. manager. Yeah, Madden. Madden came back. Yep. Yeah. You yeah, know, Madden. you were one of the bright spots expected at the very end. You know, Keenan Middleton. People thought that you that you two were going to be the young bucks at the back of the yeah. uh, the bullpen there. So yeah, I would imagine twenty would have been. The, and, uh, we got Jason Castro that year. Yep. Would you Would you have think Ty? No, like, if think- yeah, Castro was. You're right. Castro was there in twenty. Um, yeah, because uh, Lucroy was 19, right? Yeah, Lucroy, Evan Smith were 19, and then Stassi came at the end of 19, I think. Yeah. yeah. What were you I was just going to ask you um, to follow up on that. If the 2020 COVID outbreak didn't happen, you were able to have a 162 game season and everything went according to plan, according to everything that you set yourself and your career up to that point. Would that have affected your future, uh, you know, decisions as far as taking a step back from the game? You know, had you been able to play a full season at your full capabilities and and reach your goals, would that, you know, would that have changed your mindset moving forward? Yeah, I, I think COVID impacted. Like I said, I hate to be the person that's like, oh, it impacted me mentally and I couldn't do that. Like I hate the victim mindset, and that's not. It's and, not. It's not. It's you being honest. Not, yeah not a slight to anyone that says that because people do have legit mental health concerns that need to be seen by a doctor and they need help. And that's, that's the fact. So like, 
I just didn't want to look at it like blame. I, I don't want to blame anything on a bad performance ever. So that is, I want to say that first. And to answer your question, um, I definitely would have not retired. Um, I definitely, my life would have been completely different. I would have probably still been out in California. I probably would have three to four years under my belt right now and um, a lot more strikeouts and a lot more stuff to my name. Um, but the man and the person that would have came out at the end of that tunnel, mm -hmm. I don't think it would have been a person that I would have liked. Gotcha. Um, I was in my thirties and forties. I don't think I would have liked that person. And I, I think I would have gotten to a point where I would almost have lost myself. I guess you could say it was like, and I didn't like the path I was going down. Um, I was getting really caught up in uh, the fame and the money. And I was getting caught up in what people thought. Um, and I had way too many people in my circle, way too many people like feet, you know, asking questions talking to me i was doing way too much business stuff um as you guys know I've, I've always loved entrepreneurship and i was doing way too much of that um and then yeah like i've taken a hit these last three to four years i guess those, these last two to three years like you would look at it and you'd be like oh my god that's actually holy crap that sucked that sucked that sucked like i've had really bad things happen over the last two to three years to me but I, the way I handle it and just the way I operate now, I feel completely different. Like I feel way more in tuned to who I am as a person. Um, I have confidence that I've never had. Um, my relationship with Sam is 10 times healthier. Sam is now pursuing her dreams and her goals. And she's not just a baseball wife, which that's how everyone labels. It's like a base. No, like Sam wants to, go out and be a star like she wants to be an actress and when you're in that baseball life all the time you, you kind of overshadow your wife and it's, it's a weird dynamic um and so sam is doing her stuff and allowed me to kind of like reset light the match pour the gasoline on the old tie burn it down build a new one up and that's kind of where i'm at right now and i'm like okay definitely taking some bumps you know, I was throwing 94 last year in AAA and threw 35 innings. It sucked. I mean, it was, just, it was terrible. Um, but it was just a really cool experience. And so, like, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have quit baseball, but I don't think I would have liked where I was headed. It definitely wasn't a person that I was proud to be at that time. Well, see, the last thing I'll say about it is I enjoy what your, your comments about the, the question because I think in the COVID situation, we all took – you know, it's all a personal thing. We've all lived through it and, and lived through it different, different ways. So mm -hmm. although it was a negative effect on one end, you turned it into a positive where the personal growth now is there, your relationship yeah. is good, and I think that's better than baseball, obviously. Absolutely. So, you know, baseball secondary, you know. Uh, by far, it's a far secondary thing from your relationship, your family and your personal health. So I'm glad you're in a better place. And, you know, maybe that's what you had to go through because we've all gone through certain things to get to where we're at. And, uh, you know, got to take your bumps. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's why I mean, I, I didn't know the the previous just baseball tie. I mean, you know, I, I, I've had very minimal interactions with you. I think I bumped into you once, like on a stadium tour, you were in the clubhouse. 
You're like okay. the only guy in there. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was like when they were doing like the Christmas like uh, food drive or the Thanksgiving food drive. You were down there. They're like, oh, here's Ty Butchery. And everyone's like, oh, my God. And you look right over at me. You're like, oh, what's up, man? I was like, hey, what's up, Ty? And I just kept walking. <laughs> Dude, I'm so – I wish I uh, – And then – and then, uh, but you know, through this, you know, through the podcast, like you and I have started to develop a friendship. And I, I think it's because, you know, you and, and you know, and Todd too, like, uh, we're positive people, you know, I, I enjoy the things that have been rough about my life. Because if you don't go through those bad things, if you don't go through those hard lessons, if you don't go through COVID knocking you on your ass, like, did that really give you the opportunity to be the best version of yourself? If you didn't retire and work on yourself for a year and work on your relationship with Sam, you know, would she have turned into, you know, the boss that you always knew she was, but now you get to see it. And now, you know, she looks happier from what I can see on, you know, the social media and, you know, nobody knows that more than you do, but you know, yeah, I mean, Andal, happy you. for you, buddy. Thank you for saying that. I, and I think that's why you and I have always got along. Um, and I've never, I've never looked at it as, you know, Fernando's a fan, Ty's an athlete. Like people get weird about that, and that was the one thing that always bothered me was like, I'm not this person that everyone's making me out to be. Like I'm truly just the same guy. I just, it's like I'm skilled at throwing a baseball hard. Like that's it. Yeah. I can throw baseball really hard, and it took me to this profession. And like, I know it's not that simple to other people. Like I get it, but like, I enjoy having honest, genuine conversation with people that isn't just about baseball. That's about improvement, daily life, crypto NFTs. I love reflecting, you know, I'm clearly, I've got some memory issues I need to work on. And you know, maybe, <laughs> I can't remember anything about We'll get you some Sudoku puzzles or something. Maybe I that'll like, sharpen up the brain. Ty's like, I've got to reflect on reflecting. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, much time i think staring at crypto and nfts it's like fried my brain maybe fair enough yeah i, mean, I think you and i like hardly talk baseball yeah you know it, podcast todd's the same like todd's the same guy as you man and we always have good we just have good conversation yeah 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 no i mean but i we literally go days without talking about baseball and we're totally cool. We have, we, we have other things we talk about, but um, so last thing here, uh, yeah. talk some crypto to me before you head out, you know, how, 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 for starters, off. everyone's freaking out right now. Right. Everyone's like, dude, my Bitcoin's down. I need <laughs> to sell everything. Um, where are you on everything? Where are you on NFTs? You know, you can't give financial advice. So this is just where Ty is, but where are you on everything? Well, Jim Cramer gives financial advice every single day. So maybe, I don't know, I'm sure he has his, uh, whatever the award, the test that you have to pass, the series, series seven, or maybe that's for law. Anyways, he gives financial advice and he's wrong all the time. So I'm going to give financial advice. <laughs> um, actually, I'm not going to give financial advice because somebody, <laughs> watch this video and then sue me based off what I said. So this, everything I'm about to say is not financial advice. You, you guys are watching an AI gener generated version of Ty. I'm not actually there here. There you go. This is Ty 3.0. Right, so, uh, yeah. So it's, it's pretty crazy, Fernando and Todd. I mean, we can get, we could get down the rabbit hole deep. Maybe we have another podcast where we talk about coins and tokens, but here's my outlook right now. We okay. can do it. I bought the, top the pico top of the 2021 bull market like i 2020 or 2020 to 2021 
you couldn't have just laid me right at the right at the peak and then right when i got at the peak we took a giant dip Mm. so lesson one learned never buy the top ever don't buy the top that's what i'm gonna say wait there's always gonna be people are always gonna sell off even in the stock market there's gonna be a dip you may have to wait months and years so you better learn some patience um my outlook right now with crypto is what's going on with ftx what's going on with bitcoin what's going on with the world the macroeconomics of crypto is bad it's really bad um a lot of people hate it half the people think it's like russia propaganda um russia's coming out with a whole new exchange and i expect the media to say well we have to ban crypto because we're now funding russia so i i i see it coming from a mile away and i'm not really concerned about that because I'm in the NFT market. Now, the NFT market, I do own some tokens and stuff. But like Ethereum, you have Bitcoin and then you have Ethereum. And then you have all these little sub tokens under Ethereum that are built on Ethereum. And so like I'm invested into Ethereum, which got me invested into NFTs. Because NFTs, for me, it's a collectible thing. Like there's an actual collecting element. There's rarity. You can get a rare card. You can trade. You can build communities you can meet nft twitter you guys have no clue about there's crypto twitter and then there's nft twitter web3 it's the whole nother world in twitter that i live on my anon burner account that you guys don't know about um but i was angel twitter will find it (laughs) Uh, (laughs) canceled in (laughs) (laughs) um and so it's basically like I, I would definitely say if you're going to get like, if you're going to get invested, one, spend hours researching, get on Twitter, integrate yourself, figure out what's going on. Do not buy anything that's the top. Right now, everything's really low. So like I would say now is an optimal time to buy. That's not financial advice. That's just my opinion. Um, but what's going on with the NFTs, which is really cool. It's like NFTs tie crypto blockchain, um, startups, community all together. And so you have like, you're not just investing in a random token and you hope it goes up. Like you're investing into the project, the community, the, the future forecast, their native token that they have for that, which is the NFT. Um, and that's just a way for me, like I have fun doing it. I meet people, I'm, you know, we're talking, we're strategizing. Now I've invested into gaming. So it's called like web three gaming. Um, it's all native, like crypto based, but like, Oh, like I said, we can get a rabbit hole. I can go on forever right now. My biggest play is a game called wolf game. I'm heavily invested into that. Um, it's a project I've been following for 14 months. I feel really confident about it. It's fun. Um, and that's really the only project after spending hours and hours and hours researching, for me, I'm only going to stick to gaming. So web three and crypto gaming, that's what I'll, because I feel like the utility, if a game's fun, people are going to play it. That's just, that's a fact. Yeah. And then Ethereum, Ethereum is like the app store. You can, it's like, it's just the whole thing. You can build and build and build on it. So Ethereum and NFTs, everything else, I don't even waste my time reading or researching about. Well, I'm glad if anyone's listening to this and, and, and is interested in the crypto um, I'm I'm fairly new to it myself, but you know one thing I'm glad that you gave out some good pointers. Do your research is probably like you said yeah. the best thing you could do because 
um, lately in the news, I don't know if you've been following it, but Logan Paul had gotten uh, exposed for his crypto scam. You know, it sounded great. And he used his platform to dupe a lot of people. So oh, I never invested into one of those projects, but yeah. Yeah. See, that's unfortunate, you know, and, and, you know, you got to really do your homework, like you said. And unfortunately, like some of these people just see, oh, Logan Paul's into it. I'm a jump on it. You know, yeah. he, he knows his stuff. And, uh, you know, you got to find reputable people. And I like the fact you're going through a gaming type style that mm -hmm. usually those are legit, you know, and so. Yeah. I've so been like, talking to me about this for like yeah. months. I remember like the beginning of like 2022, like being told about this, like, oh, you know, it's kind of like Minecraft. I was like, oh, okay. Guys, this game it's wild. It's crazy. It, it keeps me busy. That's the biggest thing is it keeps me busy. You know, I train, I talk shop with Sam, I hang out with my family and that's it. And then my hobbies are scrolling NFT Twitter <laughs> and playing this wolf game game and figuring that out. And that's really, that's really it. And it's the simplest life and it's the best life for me right now. But, but the thing is though, Ty, are you happy? Yeah. I'm then that's yeah. all that matters, buddy. Good, man. Definitely will be happier, I think, when I get back to the big leagues because I'll have had all these lessons learned and all this good perspective, and hopefully I can maybe help out some younger guys that are going through similar problems or similar issues and lend a helping hand. But that's uh, that's really it, you guys. I really don't got much for you. All right, so let's end it with this then. What's next for Ty Buttry? Next is waiting for a team to pick me up. Um, I've had a few talks, not a few talks. My agents had a few. The I'm kind of in the category where like, I'm hoping this, this January, I sh should know something. I may not. Um, maybe I get signed in February. I mean, hopefully teams are, but to answer your question, Fernando, what's next? I'm a free agent. I'm in Charlotte. I'm waiting to hear from a team. Um, training, trying to get my velo up to 106. Um, like Ben Joyce. Yeah. I rolled a Chapman. Not just try to throw as hard as you can, and then you don't have to worry about it. You just throw 106, and you can put it right down the middle, and no one's going to touch it. So yeah. I'm trying to buy the game of pitching just so I can just throw hard. And everyone likes people throwing hard, but I got some work to do because I'm only topping out at 95 right now. So I got to get – Gotta get this body going. So hey, you uh, did hit ninety six a couple of days ago, right? You had said on uh, Twitter. No, I hit ninety three a few days. The week before, I was up to ninety five on the sh on the shuffle step. My, okay. It's kind of like like I said, it's kind of hard to read my tweets. I don't really, I'm not the best at explaining them. But like the shuffle step, I hit ninety six and ninety five. Okay, that's where you run and you throw the ball, and then off the mound, the first mound, first bullpen was ninety one, and the goal is to sit 96 come spring training. Like I want to sit 96. Like, and I think in 19, I sat 97.2, which is really good. Um, last year in AAA, I was sitting 93.2, which I don't want to be that. So um, getting signed by a team, getting my velo back in, in tip top shape um, and waiting for Wolf game to potentially retire me. So I don't have to do anything just back and, Live the crypto bro life. That's that's the plan. There you go. <laughs> no, but uh, maybe not. Travel the world on that Minecraft game. <laughs> there you go.
please. Or or I can get used to saying, would you like fries with that or welcome to Walmart? <laughs> hey, worst comes to worst, man. I always need some help in Chicago, New York, or Texas. So I may be calling you, man. So <laughs> hey, there you go. Oh, anytime, anytime. That right worst now, comes to worst, just meet me in Chicago, at least for a Giordano's pizza, my treat. <laughs> Sam's the breadwinner right now, so I gotta I gotta beat her out. She's she's whooping my butt right now. She's holding holding down the fort with the family finances. So shout yeah. out to Like I said, hey, you know, she, she's a, she's the boss right now, so she's a beast, man. Sam's a beast. Sam gives me the most joy out right. of the stuff. She's actually calling me right now, so I'll call her here in a little. Well, I I hope she listens to that part of the interview for sure because uh, you've been gassing her up, which is good. That's what you should be doing. Yeah, so. she's awesome. All right, Todd, any closing, anything for our buddy here? Uh, no, just best of luck in everything you do, man, and uh, keep us informed on your success because we know you're going to get there, man. You got that mindset, and we appreciate your time. You're always a great interview and a good friend. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate you guys asking me to come on. I always love talking with, with you guys, angels, sports, crypto related, even though it may not be the angels here for much longer. It was an unbelievable time. And I'm thankful because I got to meet, you know, I, I, you, Fernando knows like you guys were, I was for the last year, like we were all just kind of chilling in Twitter spaces and chat rooms and Instagram lives and social media and hustling. And it was fun. And, you know, there was a, not a lot of people were a part of that and you guys, you know, you guys were, so I appreciate you saying that and I'll come on whenever you want me. Awesome. All right. Well, there we have it on behalf of everyone here. Hello to the infield. Have a great day, everybody. What's up. Halo fam. Halo Joe here. Just wanted to thank each and every one of you for checking out this new episode. Make sure to keep it tuned here to halos in the infields, baseball network all season long as we drop content every day. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Also, make sure to crack the like button and leave a comment. Make sure you also smash that bell icon to be notified every time we drop an episode or go live. Also, check us out on our other platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. We can also be found on Apple Pod, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Don't forget to leave that five-star review. Thank you again, Halo fans.